here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. Thank you so much for staying with us. What we said earlier in the show is that we'll take calls with all things vaccine-related and questions for the Department of Health. Uh, We have asked and they have responded. We do have on the line Dr. Nicholas Crisp, Deputy Director General at the National Department of Health, with us on the line. And we'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. We'll also take those WhatsApp notes on 0614-104-107. Dr. Crisp, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamela, and to your listeners. Dr. Crisp, I got um, an email with someone's um, medical aid statement querying why is it that they were paying um, for their vaccine. Can you clarify that for us, please? Yep, so thanks. That That is the arrangement, that the medical schemes are paying for vaccinations of insured persons. That That, that is the agreement. When, when you say the medical aid schemes are paying, th- this this particular bill came out of the person's savings. Is that normal? Mm, well, I'm not sure what that medical aid was about, but I would query whether it's, it's supposed to be a PMB, yes. so it should not be coming out of the person's savings. That yes. doesn't sound right. Yes, okay. And then with regards to the SMSs, should people still be waiting for an SMS? Yes, very definitely. So if we think about it, we've got just over 3.3 million people registered on the EVDS system, and we have vaccinated around about 1.3 million people. That means there are about 2 million people still in queues around the country for the vaccination sites. Mm -hmm. And we are scheduling people now three days ahead of a vaccination. Some of the vaccination sites' queues are extremely long. And until new sites come online, uh, those queues will remain long. And as new sites come online, then we reschedule people automatically to other sites. But it could be that uh, a queue is 2,000 long and they're seeing 200 a day, which means you'd still need to wait another 10 days before you receive an SMS. Uh, can you just help us with, I mean, I think we're getting mixed messages around walk-ins. Uh, Dr. Crisp, what's the policy now? So the general principle is we don't encourage walk-ins as a national policy. And the reason for that is because the EVDS is now starting to schedule pretty much close to the same number of people that they provide vaccines for at each site because the site managers have control of their scheduling. But we do find that not everybody is able to respond to the SMSs, and there are sometimes vaccines left at the end of the day. So if people do walk in, they must expect to wait until all of those who are scheduled receive their vaccine. So we don't encourage it. And the second reason is because if large numbers of people arrive at a vaccination site, they can cause a super spreader event and infect one another if somebody amongst them is infected. So we really would prefer people not to uh, go to vaccination sites unless they've been sent an SMS. Let's start taking those voice notes. As I said, we'll take voice notes and, and calls as well. 0614-104-107. We've got a voice note, um, uh, Dr. Crisp. Good afternoon, Pamela and the SAFM listeners. Um, I'd like to know, there's a video circulating regarding a vaccine where people have magnets on their shoulders. I don't know if it's true or is it false. Are those videos fake? 
because after I saw people here in South Africa that has those kind of magnetic on their shoulders, I googled further, I see also outside the country in America and England somewhere people also experience the similar thing. So I really like to know if it's true, if it's true what causes that uh, magnet on the shoulder. Thank you, Uncle Sia, Cape Town. All right, Dr. Crisp, would you like to respond please for us? Yeah, very categorically. And Kosi, those are fake, and it's absolutely not possible. If you think about it, a magnet only sticks to something that is uh, that attracts a magnet. So it would need to be iron or some other metal that has got iron in it. And if you think about a fridge magnet, how much it, uh, metal it takes before it sticks, you would need to have quite a big chunk of metal in your arm, and there's no ways you can get that amount of metal injected into your arm by uh, the small amount of uh, vaccine that's been given to you. There's absolutely no chance that that is real and that it's definitely fake. Dr. Crisp, let's talk about someone who is scheduled to go get a vaccine but is not feeling well on the day. What's your recommendation there? Yeah, so I think that if somebody is unwell, it's best not to have the vaccine, especially if you think you have symptoms of COVID. Mm. Uh, and the system is designed that people can not arrive for their vaccination and the system will reschedule them after about seven days. And if they're still unable to go after that period, it'll reschedule them again. And it reschedules them back to the front of their queue. So they're not going to lose their space. They are, uh, obviously, if that person is unwell and feels that they might have COVID, they should go and see a doctor or go to a place where they can get a test done and confirm. And when they are well, they can still be vaccinated a couple of weeks after they have recovered. Okay, so that was just exactly that for the signs. So if you've had COVID or you have it, you are still able to get the vaccine later. Yes, so we accumulate uh, um, immunity in our bodies through various sources, and one is through the wild virus infection. And the other way is through vaccination. So it is advisable when you've completely recovered from COVID still to be vaccinated. All right. Peter is calling from Welcome. Hi, Peter. Hello there. Good afternoon to Professor Two. Uh, two questions, if I may, please. I actually got an SMS to tell me that I could go this past Sunday for... Uh, a vaccination at Universitas, uh, but I don't have transport. Uh, is there no way that they can organize transport? Th- that's the first question. The second question is, uh, I'm HIV and I haven't had HIV medicine for about three years. What's his advice on that? Should I take it in any case? Dr. Chris? Um, yeah, so I think uh, Peter's situation is a little bit more complicated a little bit more complicated and I would advise him to see a clinician and not get advice over the phone Mm. Um, and in terms of transport and access to transport every province has different arrangements and in some instances uh, they do have services to to various homes and collective sites but it sounds to me like Peter's situation is more complicated he should either go back to the clinic or make contact with a community health worker or whoever he's been seeing before for his HIV treatment. All right. Uh, a voice note coming through, Dr. Crisp. So my questions about the vaccinations. Number one, currently they've rolled out phase two, which literally means the elderly first as well as people with comorbidities. 
even that has been subdivided. So what I understand now is that the elderly are getting theirs first and then people with comorbidities now. How would they know who has comorbidities or not? I mean, do you have to, you know, arrive with your doctor's letter? Um, or how would it work? So with the elderly, it's obviously easy. You just give your ID number and obviously you can see that the person's age qualifies him for an elderly status. But with comorbidities, how do you prove that? And secondly, does obesity qualify as a comorbidity? This is a very important question because it has been noted that many people with comorbidities like obesity don't do well with corona. Mark. Good question, uh, Dr. Crisp. Okay, thanks for the question, Mark. So the the Ministerial Advisory Committee advised the Minister, and there's been a, a, a policy declared some time ago, that we do not discriminate on comorbidity for the very reasons that Mark has explained. It's, it's impossible for us to say whether somebody has got uh, hypertension or diabetes or whatever, and anybody could defraud any letter, and it would be very difficult for the health practitioners at a vaccination site to turn them away. So what the um, global evidence has shown is that population over the age of 60 is at risk both because of age and because there's a high concentration of comorbidity in that population. And for that reason, the policy is not to uh, focus on comorbidities on their own, but to target the, popul- the entire population over the age of 60. All right. I've got another voice note coming through. All right. Um, that voice note, it's not coming through now. Let me read this text. It says, my mother is 65 years old. We are affiliated to GEMS. Can she get vaccinated privately instead of at the general vaccine venues? This is to avoid long queues. Okay. So the situation is that the EVDS system is scheduling insured people. So this person who has a GEMS uh, medical aid membership would be regarded as an insured person. And they are being scheduled to private sites. And most of the private sites are either at hospitals or at private pharmacies. So there's, there's no other place where you can go for vaccination except where the vaccines are being distributed. And those sites in the private sector are um, now up on the websites. And you will get an SMS to go to one of those private sites. Okay. Another question is, are you able to continue taking um, your blood pressure medication as well as take the vaccine? Yes, definitely. Nobody should stop taking the medication they're on. And if they are uncertain or have some uh, special medication and they're uncertain, they should consult their own doctors so that that doctor can advise them on on, on how to go about their own care. All right. Jack is in Bulukwana. Good afternoon, Jack. Hello, Primelo. Hi, welcome. Go, go ahead. The theory about, uh, good afternoon to doctor. The theory about magnet is false and is misleading. I took a vaccine a week before last, and just two hours ago, that, there was that theory going around. I've, we've tested the coin on my arm, upper arm and tested the magnet. That is false and misleading and very dangerous. Thanks, Jack. How are you feeling? 
Thank you. <laughs> Jack in Pulukoni. Go ahead, Dr. Crisp. No, thank you. I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that call from Jack, who's tried it himself. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely agree that uh, it's false. Okay, just a quick one on on people who are saying what should they take before or after the vaccine and just a a brief outline of the symptoms to expect. Okay, so you don't need to take anything before the vaccination. Um, Many vaccines and these vaccines do have side effects. We all react differently. Some people will have absolutely no reaction whatsoever. Some will have a sore um, arm at the site of the vaccination. Others might get signs of mild symptoms of uh, flu-like illness with some, um, you know, fever and discomfort, maybe some bone pains and shivers. That will, in most cases, disappear within 24 to 48 hours, and you should not expect any symptoms after that. There are a few people who uh, react worse than that and actually can get quite ill, and in very rare circumstances, it can cause quite severe reactions. So we encourage you, everybody must stay for 15 minutes after their vaccination at the vaccination site. And if something happens to them afterwards, to please make contact with a health practitioner who will report the adverse reaction and decide how to treat you. Thank you so much for your time. Dr. Nicholas Crisp is a Deputy Director General at the National Department of Health and uh, he was taking all your questions around vaccine. I really appreciate your time. I know it took a lot for him to make time for us. Well, that's that. And then we off to the...